Well, there was a story of a poor widow lady. She had five children. And every day she came out on her front porch and raised her hands to heaven and prayed out loud. Lord, you know I have no money in my house. I have no food in my cabinets. But I need to feed my children today. Please provide for us for our daily needs. Her next-door neighbor was an atheist, and every day she would hear her come out and make this prayer, and boy, it just drove her crazy. She was so tired of hearing this prayer every day. One day she had a thought, and she thought she would teach her neighbor a lesson. So once again, the neighbor came out and made the same prayer and went back into the house. And this neighbor lady had gone to the store, had purchased bags and bags of groceries and came and put them on her porch. And when the neighbor lady came out, she saw the bags and bags of groceries, and she exclaimed, Bless you, God, for providing for my family this food. The neighbor was hiding in the bushes, and she jumped out. She said, No, that wasn't God. That was me. I fooled you. You think that that God is the one providing all this for you? There is no God. I just came over and did that myself. Well, the neighbor lady, without even skipping a beat, looked back up to God, raised her hand, said, Father God, thank you for providing me food and having the devil pay for it. (laughs) Well, Joshua chapter 7. Sometimes, as we see the devil is out, we learned last week, the devil, of course, he's out like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Sometimes, his plans of devouring us fall back on him. They don't, they don't work out so well. But he does not have the right to devour us. He does not have the right to defeat us. Only if we give in on those things, we looked at some of the things we can do to give him the right to defeat us. Areas of fear, giving in to fear, and things of that nature. But today we want to talk about taken, taking, or taken. Are we taking new ground or are we being taken? We are either taking new ground in our Christian walk or we are being taken from. How would you describe your walk? Is the enemy taking things from you or are you taking new ground? In Joshua chapter 7, it's a familiar story to us. Israel faces defeat at Ai. Verse 1, But the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed things for Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed things so that the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Bethaven, on the east side of Bethel, and spoke to them, saying, Go up and spy out the country. So the men went up and spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, Don't let all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and attack Ai. Do not weary all the people. Do not weary all the people there, for the people of Ai are few. So about 3,000 men went up from the people, but they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai struck down about 36 men, for they chased them from before the gate as far as Seberim, and struck them down on the descent. Therefore the hearts of the people melted and became like water. Well, as we look at this in this series about reigning in life, that we are called to reign in life, Looking at Romans chapter 5 before we had, we had read that, we have been called to reign in life. We're not called to have life reign over us. We're not called to have the devil take things from us or put things on us or any of that. 
We're called to reign in life. We're called to reign in life over sickness and disease. We're called to reign in life over fear. We're called to reign in life over all the things that God has given us charge over. And here, they have been given the land of Canaan. God said, go in and possess it. The first battle went pretty well. The walls of Jericho came down and they went in and they conquered. But all of the things that were in Jericho were supposed to go to who? God. And the word there, curse, just means dedicated. They were things that were dedicated to God. And if you take on the things that are dedicated to God, it weakens you. It's one of the principles of tithing. Why tithing comes, comes in. Because the tenth part is dedicated to God. And if you take of the accursed thing, then just like Israel couldn't stand before Ai, we have a hard time standing before our bills. But God doesn't want us to face it that way. He wants us to overcome. But the children of Israel had taken of the accursed things. Now, it was not all the children of Israel. How many people in Israel took of the accursed things? One. Achan, he's the only guy. One guy out of all these uh, couple million people took of the accursed things. I think that's a pretty good percentage. How would you like it if we had a nation of two, three million people and only one person missed it? We'd all be saying, wow, that's pretty good. Only one person missed it. But God wanted zero. <laughs> and the zero people were to miss it. So the spies were sent out. They came back with a report. They said, oh, I'll just send over some of the army. And in losing this battle, the hearts of the people melted. They just knocked down the, one of the toughest cities in all of Canaan. Some of the biggest walls and the walls just came crashing down simply because they marched around it. And God delivered the whole thing into their hands. God had parted the Jericho River for them to get in. And now they come to this little village, Ai, and they just send a small number of people over there to battle this and they lost the battle and they think, oh, it's over. Now here's the difference between Moses and, and Joshua. If this had been Mo Moses, this prayer would not have been uttered. But it's not Moses, it's Joshua. And if you think of Moses in the early days when he first took on Mo uh, Pharaoh, we saw a little, little bit of quivering on his part. We got a little bit of quivering here on Joshua's part. So, verse uh, 6, Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell on the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening, he and the elders of Israel. And they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, Lord, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Oh, that we had been content and dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. Now, this sounds eerily similar to the things Israel would say every time they ran into a problem. Why did you bring us out into this wilderness? Were there not enough graves for us in Egypt that you brought us out here to die? Constantly they would say this. Wouldn't they? Every time they ran into no water, every time they ran into too much water, they faced the Red Sea. Every time they faced any kind of problem, no food, whatever it might be, an enemy came up. Every time they'd say, Oh, what did you do? Bring us out here just to kill us? Well, he's not quite saying that anymore. They have gotten past the part of being back in Egypt. Now they would be content just to be in the wilderness. Oh, if we only had been content to be in the wilderness. If only we hadn't wanted houses for ourselves. If only we didn't want the land flowing with milk and honey. If only we had settled. If only we had been content. 
Well, that's not quite the faith prayer I think Moses would have uh, put out then. Oh Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns its back before its enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it and surround us and cut off your name from the earth. Then what will you do for your great name? I don't know. Joshua's getting bordering on a, on a bad spot here. He's telling God, all right, now you did it. You blew it. You let us lose that battle. So because we lost that battle, now everybody's going to hear about it. They're all going to surround us and kill us because you sure can't deliver us from all of them at the same time. That's a little too much for you. We were content just to go on through here and go city to city. We, could have, we had faith for that, but now take them all on. Uh, we're we're going to be wiped out. And now what are you going to do? Ever thought, you know, what, God, what is God going to do without you? I mean, if you went down, what is God ever going to do without you? I mean, He needs you. You're, you're important. And we try and use that. So God was, God comes back and says, Oh, I forgot. Oh, I do need you guys around. I'll come up with something. No, what's He say? Verse 10, So the Lord said to Joshua, Get up! Why do you lie thus on your face? Israel has sinned and they have also transgressed My covenant which I commanded them for they have even taken some of the accursed things and have both stolen and deceived and they have also put it among their own stuff. So God's not too patient with this. You come before God and say, Oh God, I can't believe this is going on. We, we lost before our enemies and you're coming, you're seeking after God and the thing and God says, Get up! What are you doing laying, out, laying around like this for? Basically, it seems like God says, you ought to know what's wrong. Why are you coming over here and fussing with me all this? Get up. Take care of it. You should know. I told you before, if you take the accursed things, you won't stand before your enemies. Now you did. You can't stand before your enemies. You should know it. You shouldn't even be here. You should just be out there dealing with the problem. Now get out there and deal with it. That's basically what he's saying. He doesn't have a whole lot of uh, pleasantries for Joshua. Now, you remember this, there was a, something that was said to Joshua when his, his commission. You'll see this repeated a couple of times. God tells him in 1 John, or in Joshua chapter 1, be strong and of good courage. How many times did he say that to him in the opening charge? I think it was about three times. He said, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. Now, last week we looked at this some other charges that we got in the New Testament about that. Do not be afraid. How many times we saw, do not be afraid, do not have any fear, all these different derivatives, things like that. So if we are told not to have any fear, then we decided that fear is a decision. I decide to be fearful. And so if I can decide to be fearful, I can also decide not to be fearful and not to be afraid and to go on. So he says, get up. Why do you lie thus in your face? Israel has sinned. So verse 12, Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies because they have become doomed to destruction. They have become doomed to destruction. Did not God call them to take over the promised land? Isn't that what they're called to? Aren't they, are, not, are they not in effect called to reign over Canaan? to rule over the land? Isn't that what they're called to? And what's he say here? They have become doomed to destruction. If you are doomed to destruction, would you say that you are in a reigning position? No. 
But that's what they were called to. And Christians today, folks, we've been called to reign, but some of us have become doomed to destruction. We shouldn't do that. Don't get into this area of being doomed to destruction. Get into the area of, being, of reigning in life. That's what we're called to be doing. So we got to learn what they did. How did they get to be? How did they get to this place of being doomed to destruction? Neither will it be. Neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy the accursed from among you. So the way that they were going to get out of this is they had to find the accursed stuff. They had to get it back in its right place, and the person who took it had to be destroyed. Get up and sanctify the people and say, Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow. Because thus says the Lord God of Israel, There is an accursed thing in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. This is what they were commanded to do. This is what they were commissioned to do. They had to get up and they had to take care of this. Sometimes, folks, in our life, we've been called to reign in life over sickness and disease. But how many times in our, in our own life have we found ourselves doomed to destruction, it seems, and sickness and disease has rule over us. How many times have we been called in life over things that would cause us to be afraid, and yet constantly we seem to be afraid in these, situ these situations? We have become doomed to destruction in the area of fear. We have become doomed to destruction in the area of, of poverty. And just in thinking about finances and what, what's going to happen to us there. Sometimes we hear about the news reports. We hear about people talking, oh, the economy is so bad. Oh, everybody's losing their job. Oh, it's this, it's that. It's... And we become doomed to destruction because we have picked up this, this thinking. How can we stand before our enemies? How can this go on? We become doomed to destruction. Don't become doomed to destruction. Stay out of that. Just don't get involved with it. I like her. I listen to some people. One person in particular says this all the time. He says, just because a nation's in a recession doesn't mean you have to participate. You don't have to participate. <laughs> don't, don't feel like you have to do that. Trust God. Trust God. How is it that we look at and we read the stories of Israel, how Israel comes up to the Red Sea and doubts God and God parts the Red Sea and brings them on through. And then Israel sees the army of Egypt coming behind them and doubts God and God wipes out the army. And He brings them to the other side and they have no water and God brings water from Iraq. And they face an enemy. And they face no food. And God comes and, and brings rains manna down. And He brings deliverance from the enemies. And then they face the next one, the next battle. And they doubt God again. And we look at them and say, how can they do this? How can they doubt God? And yet in our lives, how many times has God brought you through a financial problem? How many times have you know God delivered you through it? But now, but now you didn't face this one before. That was before. But now we face this one. I know we face no water over here, but now we're facing no water over here. This is a worse no water situation than it was over there. I don't know if God can do this one. I don't know about that. I mean, that's. I mean, before we faced this enemy, and we and we won. But now we're facing this enemy. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if we can do this. I don't know if we can get past this one. This, you know, this is this is tough. This is this is something else. I don't know. I wonder if we can get through it. Of course, you can get through it. 
trust in God. Take the words that were spoken to Joshua. Take the words that we saw last week, spoken to all these folks. Do not be afraid. Have no fear concerning anything. Says to Joshua, only be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage. When you face times that you have now, when you face situations, when you face people, be strong and of good courage. All that has to happen is doubt get inside and you begin to think, oh, I can't be strong here. I can't be strong. No, this one's going to take me down. Don't do it. Don't give in to that because it's constantly getting in, trying to get you to, all right, you got healed on this disease, you got healed on this disease, but this one's going to kill you. This one will get you. This is cancer. Oh, it's cancer. Oh, it's a tumor. Oh, you never faced a tumor before. Oh, surely this one's going to take you down. And it gets that thought to come on in. Don't. Don't take it. Be strong and of good courage. That's what you need to be. And we need to stand in faith on the things that we've done. How many times have we seen this financial situation? How many of y'all will say right now, I have a financial situation in my life. And we've taken that financial situation and we have presented it to the Lord and we said, Father God, here is our financial situation. This is what we're believing for. How many of you have done that? This is what we're believing for? Alright, if you haven't done that yet, that's your first step. Take that before God and say, God, this is our financial situation. This is what we're believing and have Scripture on it. Don't just believe it because you just it sounds like we ought to be able to believe that. Get Scripture on it. Get more than one. If you're having a hard time with it, get another brother or sister in Christ to help you out with it. I need Scripture on this. Can you help me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can help you out. That's what we're here for. Get someone else, get some scripture on it and take it before God and lay it before God. Father God, this is our financial need. This is what we have before us. You said in your word, do not have any fear about anything. This thing's trying to get me to be in fear about it. I want to obey your word. Here's what it says. And write this down, write down the day that you do this and put it prominently before you. On July the 26th, whatever day it is that you do this, write it all down. Say, we have presented our case before God and we have prayed for this Deliverance. This, this thing to come in. And every time you are, you think about coming into fear and doubt about that again, you go back to that little card, that little piece of paper, whatever it is you wrote it on, put it up on your refrigerator. July 26, we laid it out. These are the scriptures we laid out. This is what we said before God. This is what we asked for. This is what we're standing on. And you keep going back to that. No, 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 I'm not going to get in fear and doubt. This is what the Word of God said. This is what we stood on. This is the faith we had built up from the Word of God. And we're not going to give in to that. And you keep going back to that. And every time that they want you to get in fear, because sometimes people, just because you pray again doesn't mean that you're being spiritual. Sometimes it means you're being fearful. The devil doesn't mind you praying. Please understand that. The devil does not care that you pray. He cares that you pray in faith. You can pray all day long. He doesn't care one bit about it. But you say one sentence in faith, you got his attention. There's a difference between words and prayer and being in faith. He is scared of faith because faith moves God. Faith moves God. You all see that quote in the, Bible, in the bulletin? Charles Caps? Faith moves God. That's what moves him. Not words. 
You can pray long prayers. Go, I love this study. We've told people, especially on Wednesday nights, we tell people this all the time. Go back to look at Jesus' prayers. How long were they? Three words? Four words? Two words? I mean, you hardly ever get, get one that's more than a couple of sentences. Once in a while, you'll see him get, you know, the, he has a couple of times when he gets into some long times of prayer. But they're really few. The garden was one. He prays for his disciples. There's a couple of sentences, a couple of paragraphs in that one. But generally, you know, it's stuff like, Lazarus, come forth. That's his prayer. I mean, where, where is the prayer in that? Lazarus, come forth. Peace, be still. And whole storm stopped. Dead people got up. What was the prayer that he said over the widow's son that he, when he reached in and pulled him out? They didn't record one, did they? No words on that one. Just reached in and pulled him out. But we get into these long, wordy prayers. And all that they do is get us in fear and doubt. And we just hope that God comes through. I hope God comes through on this. Oh, I, I've asked God to help me out. And I hope He does. I have no other way for this to work. It has to be God. Nothing else I can do has to be God. God, I just need you. Just please move. Oh, please do something. No, that's not how it works. Go through the, 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 the books in the Bible. Moses, he's authoritative. God, we need this done. He just goes out and does it. Praise it and believes it. Acts on it that way. So when you get Scripture about your financial situation, get Scripture about your health situation, you write it down. This is the day. This is what we agreed on. This is what we prayed. And you ought to be able to write it down because first off, it shouldn't be that long. You ought to be able to write it down. Get it down. Father God, I need a job. I need a job that provides for my family. I need a job that provides this. And just write it down. This is what I need. And God will come through. But every time you're tempted to get in fear, how many times you got one of those problems and you get to be thinking at nighttime? You're supposed to be going to sleep at nighttime. You know, unless you work nights, sleep at night, work in the day. That works better. But sometimes we go to bed at night when we want to sleep and we're up. And then when you're supposed to be working a day, you want to sleep. That's all backwards. Sleep at night, work in a day. Unless, of course, you work nights, then, you know, you flip it around. But when you go to, go to sleep, the Word of God says in the Bible, I mean, it's in there, it's in the Psalms, I believe, believe it is, that your sleep will be blessed. Well, blessed sleep is not constantly waking up. Well, maybe God's waking me up to pray. Then get up and pray! If he's not making you up to pray, go back to sleep. Sleep is good. And when you sleep, you know, you go to, if you go to bed at midnight and you get up at five, somewhere, something like that, it's five hours of solid sleep is a whole lot better than two hours here, two hours there, two hours here, and 15 minutes over here. That's not as good. Just go to bed, go to sleep, and wake up. And then go. Be ready to go. That's better. But the devil likes to come on in at nighttime when you're getting settled down. And maybe you drifted off to sleep and then an hour later you wake up. Ah, oh, I don't have a job yet. Oh, that bill's coming in the mail. Oh, I owe this money. Oh, and you sit there and you worry and you, and you fret. And how much money did you earn doing that? Most people don't earn much doing that. So you're in the same situation you were before. 
It didn't change any, except now you're tired. Don't do that. Don't get there and, and fret and get in anxiety. Don't come to a God with a prayer like Joshua prays. Don't do it. As long as you don't, you don't get God's response. Get out! I don't think that... That doesn't sound like God liked what He prayed. Get up! Why do you lie vessel in your face? He wants you to pray differently. He wants you to pray in such a way, Father God, we messed up, didn't we? Somehow we took the accursed thing. We're going to go out there and we're going to take care of this thing. And when we go out there next time, we're going to knock them boys silly. They're not going to know what hit them. We're going to burn up their city. We're going to wipe them out. Because that's what God said to do. Go out there and wipe them out. And take care of them. So He says, get up, take care of this thing. Sanctify the people. Get yourselves ready. you got work to do. So they get on out there and they, they get some things ready. But don't get in fear. Sickness and disease can get you into fear. You, you start learning, believe in God for colds and flus. Because colds and flus don't kill you. So you learn off of a cold. Learn how to depend on God for healing for a cold. It's, it's better to start on colds and flus and cancers and tumors and things like that. Because that's, that's tough stuff. I mean, it's, you, your faith may not be able to handle moving all that. But it can get there. Grow it up. Get it ready. Work it out. You want to have that faith. Because when you need it, it's too late to get it. When you need it, you want it there. So Joshua's prayer to God is not one of faith. There's no faith in Joshua's prayer and God doesn't like it a whole lot. What is going on in the thoughts of the Israelites? Oh, we lost to a little tiny rinky-dink village. If we lost to a little tiny rinky-dink village, what's going to happen when we go up against these other guys? What's going to happen when we go up against the more powerful ones? And he'll get you, try and get you to think that way too. You get, if you lost the financial battle to an electric bill, how are you going to get a house? How are you going to do that? You can't get a house. You can't get another car. You lost to an electric bill. You lost to a phone bill. No. I don't care if you lost to an electric bill or if you lost to a phone bill. Get up! Go after it. Father God, we, you have not called me to be, to be defeated. You've called me to reign. And I'm moving on. I'm trusting you. I'm going on in your way. Now, over in Joshua chapter 8, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. We're going to see this again over in... So we told you, Joshua 1, 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Joshua has told us, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid or be dismayed. He's told us so often that over here in Joshua chapter 10 and verse 25, he starts telling it to other people. Joshua said to them, God had said this to him a number of times, but now Joshua is saying to them, do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Be strong and of good courage. So these words are not just meant for Joshua. These words are meant for other people too. You can take hold of these words and say, I can grab hold of this as well. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Be strong and of good courage. 
That's all. For thus the Lord will do to all of your enemies against whom you fight. Well, this is just up here in Joshua chapter 10. In Joshua chapter 7, he's on his face. He learned. So again, verse 1, Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. Take all the people of war with you and arise and go to Ai. Take how many people? All the people. Now, I do not believe that this is a rebuke against Joshua for only sending a small number the first time. They sent a small number. God never says you shouldn't have sent just a small number. You should send all of them. He never said that. But if you lose a battle, do not ever treat it as an easy win. If you lose the battle, don't ever treat this as, wow, I'll take care of that. No, if you have lost the battle in an area and fear has gotten in, you have become dismayed, you have not been one of good courage, and it has gotten you before, don't ever face that with just part of your stuff. Go on out there and give it your all. Take everything that you got and go after it. You will not get me in this area again. AI, you will not defeat us. We are coming after you with everything. So all the people go up this time. Now look what he says about this one. And you shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and his king, only its spoil and its cattle you shall take as booty for yourselves. Lay an ambush for the city behind it. So Joshua rose and all the people of war to go up against Ai. And Joshua chose 30,000 mighty men of valor and sent them away by night. That's a bit more than they had before. And he commanded them saying, Behold, you shall lie in ambush against the city. Behold, the city didn't... Do not go very far from the city, but all of you be ready. Then I and all the people who are with me will approach the city and it will come about. When they come out against us as at first, then we shall flee before them. And they will come out after us till we all have drawn from them, from the, drawn them from the city and they will say, they are fleeing before us as the first. Therefore, we will flee before them. Then you shall arise from the ambush and seize the city, for the Lord your God will deliver it into your hand. And it will be, when you have taken the city, that you shall set the city on fire according to the commandment of the Lord you shall do. See, I commanded you. When you have what? Taken the city. When you have taken the city. That was their goal. Their goal was to take the city. We should be taking territory in our life, not being taken from. When you have taken the city, set it on fire. So they took 30,000 guys out of the, all the army and they just took these guys and put them in as reserves. They were going to come in once they drew all the fighting men out. Then these 30,000 were going to come in and finish off the city and set it on fire. Well, it would be pretty easy to take the place once all the fighting men had gone out and were chasing after the other army. So that was their, their idea. And then once they saw the burning smoke come on up, then the regular army would know, all right, Turn back. We're no longer retreating. And they turned back and wiped out the rest of the guys. Once the guys saw their city was on fire, they lost heart. And they stood up. And were uh, killed right there. Well, again, the hearts of the people melted when they saw the first news. How many times have we been in a situation and our heart has melted? We believe God for healing for other people. We believe God for healing for ourselves. And then for some reason, we get some report from the doctor... And we just weren't ready for it. And our heart melted. Oh, I can't believe I have to face this. This is bad. 
We've been battling in the area of finances and seeing God do miraculous things and blessings of God have been coming on. Then all of a sudden, something hits us. I wasn't ready for this. And our hearts can melt. We can face that just like they did. We're not being without fear. We're not being a good courage. We're not being strong. Our heart has melted. We become like Israel, like water before the enemies. Now, these aren't the only folks that have had this go on. I'll give you some other examples here. We'll just read them over real quick. Moses at Pharaoh's throne. The first time Moses comes to Pharaoh's throne in Exodus chapter 5, it doesn't work. And Pharaoh doesn't release them. And Pharaoh makes it harder for the children of Israel. And Moses, his heart melts. He gets, oh, I can't believe I've made this worse for these people. God, why did you call me out here to this place? That's the last time uh, Moses ever questioned God. You see a whole different change on Moses from that point on. Elijah at Mount Carmel. He's got 400 prophets of Baal. He says, oh, go get all the prophets of Baal. Go get the prophets of Ashtoreth. And you guys going up there and you practice religion. You do what you want. All the t- all the- Take as much time as you want. You're just going up there and you do what you need to do. And let's see who's God answers by fire. And he just sits on over there and, and, and waits. Don't you think while he's sitting over there waiting that someone is coming along and putting some thoughts into Elijah's house, uh, into Elijah's thoughts, and he's saying, fire? You're, you're expecting God to send fire right now? That at the moment that you say now, God's going to send fire? And he says, yeah. No, that's never happened. God's not going to send fire down and burn up the altar. You've got to set it. Don't you think these kind of thoughts are going through Elijah's head? So Elijah says, all right. When he gets up there and he says, that's doused us with some water. I'll say what I think of those thoughts. And he douses it with water. And you know the story how he did it again. The fire came down, not only took up all the water, took up the stones, burned up the stones, burned up everything. And everybody bowed down before God. But he was battling some stuff in his head, I'm sure. Then over on Mount Horeb, after he gets done with his great victory, Jezebel says, I'm going to kill you by tomorrow. And he runs. Well, you know, someone was still speaking to his head and somehow it got through in this one. And he finally gets over there at Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. And he says, I have been very zealous for the Lord. All your prophets have been killed. I alone am left. And they seek to do me in. In other words, you need me. I'm it. All you got. You need me. You better do something. Well, he got rebuked by God. He says, I got 7,000 more beside you. If you want to be done, that's fine. I'll go get one of them to replace you. Well, he's, he, he shaped up because in 1 Kings 21, he's over there at Naboth's vineyard and he rebukes the king. King whose wife wanted to kill him, he rebukes him for killing Naboth, having all that stuff taken care of. But you know people, you know how people respond. You know Elijah may be a great man of God, but things are being whispered in his ear. I'm sure when he's up there praying for the for the water, for the clouds to come and the rain to come, I'm sure when it he sends the servant off, what do you see? Nothing. Don't you think something's whispering in his ear? It's not going to work. He goes back to praying. What do you see? Nothing. When he, after a number of times of that, he finally comes back and says, I see a small cloud about the size of a man's hand. Oh, that's it. That's what we needed. <laughs> and he's ready to go. But if you were Elijah and you kept praying and praying and praying and no clouds, no change, 
What are you thinking about? Hey, Elisha, over at Shunem, he's over there with the Shunemite woman. He wants to thank her for making his room and taking care of him every time he's in town. He says, what do you want? I don't need anything. I don't need anything at all. And so he says to his servant, find out what she needs. She wants a child. So he says to her, all right, this time, this, this time, this uh, next year, you'll have a child. And she says, don't, don't you be messing with me. Don't you be messing. Don't you tell me something like this and then God's going to you know, take it away or don't you be messing with me now. I was doing just fine before. Told you I didn't need anything. Don't you be messing with me. He said, I'm not messing with you. You'll have a child. And then when that child uh, was young, grown up, still young, it dies and she sends off to the uh, to get the man of God and the man of God comes on over and he, he says, uh, something's going on. The Lord's hidden this from me. I don't know what's going on. And so when, you, when she comes on up and she says, I told you I didn't want to try. I told you not to mess with me. He gives his staff to his servant. He says, you run on, on ahead and you put the staff on the, on the baby, on the child, and uh, I'll get there. Now understand, no one had been raised from the dead before. No one had been raised from the dead before. Here comes Elisha. What, what, what are you going to hear in your ear if no one had ever been raised from the dead and you come up to a dead person? What in the world are you thinking? What in, This isn't going to change anything. This isn't going to help. Hey, but over at Dothan. Dothan, the king of Israel, got all, or king of Syria, got all upset because he kept telling the king of Israel where his forces were. And so he says, all right, go out there and get, get Elisha. So they send a whole army out there to Dothan after poor little Elisha, little prophet of God. The servant's all messed up about this. He's... He's, uh, he's all worried and concerned. And Elisha, he's, he's fine. He's being strong and of good courage, isn't he? Do not be afraid or be dismayed. Is he afraid or dismayed? He's fine. He says, you know what, God? Let the servant see. Open up his eyes so he can see. We never hear whether Elisha actually saw. He just believed. And so he prays something. He says, real short prayer. Doesn't get all there, all fancy and all you know, messing with God. He just says, God, make their eyes blind so they can't see what I'm about to do. And he walks right down their midst. He says, who are you looking for? We're looking for Elisha. Tell you what, he says, follow me. I'm going to take you to the man you seek. So he leads them right into Samaria. They don't even realize they're going into Samaria until they're in there, surrounded by the army. And then their eyes are opened up. Oh, look where we are. And the king fed them and sent them on their way. Daniel. Daniel chapter 2, facing the king's dream. The king has a dream. He's going to kill everybody because no one can interpret it. No one can tell him what the dream was and interpret it. So Daniel says, I'll get it. He says, I'll get it tonight. Don't you think when he's over there t- tonight trying to get this dream from God that he's being whispered into his ear? No one's ever been given a dream before and the interpretation. No one has ever been given the dream and the interpretation. People have been given the interpretation. No one's ever been given the dream and the interpretation. Don't you think you heard that over and over again? But he kept going after God. He got the dream and the interpretation. And once he got the dream and the interpretation, don't you think he heard the same words you would have heard? You think that's really the dream? Maybe it's the wrong dream. Maybe that's not the dream that he said. And he'll kill you right away. How about the fiery furnace? His three buddies are over there facing the fiery furnace. He says, bow, you got another shot. Bow. Don't you think they heard little voices in their head? If we just bow, this whole thing is over. We can go back to serving God right after it. Just bow now. Just look over there. 
Brother Sam, he's bowing. If we just bow right now, we can be just like Brother Sam. We can get back into you know serving God after this. But if we're dead, don't you think that would have been whispered in his ear? In fear, in dismay, and all that? Because that furnace is hot. But they said, Our God is well able to deliver us from your fiery furnace. But even if He does not, we will not bow to your golden image. Won't do it. They got thrown in. Of course, you know the story. They walked out. Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel knows this test is coming. The whole time he knows they're orchestrating this test and he is the most influential man with the king. No one else in the kingdom has more influence than he does. He could just get up there with one word and say, king, don't do it. And king wouldn't do it. But he let it go on and we've talked about that chapter before. I don't want to get into all the details now. Don't you think someone was whispering to him? Why don't you just skip over doing your prayer? Why don't you just close the window? Why don't you just change it up a little bit? And he, nope, nope, same time as always, opens the window up, kneels towards Jerusalem, and prays just like he always did. You are not the only one who's had a little voice whispering in your head, getting you to be in fear and doubt. Because the goal is, he, he knows, the devil's kingdom knows that you have been called to rule and to reign. To reign in this life. Read the scripture again. Romans 5.17 For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who received abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. That's this life. It's not the next life. That's this life. Be on guard, folks. First, Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 and 5 For we walk, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war. How? According to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. When we went over this before, a couple of years ago, we got into the Knowledge of God series. If the strongholds always come down, are they truly strongholds? If a stronghold always comes down when you use a certain tool, are they, are they strongholds? No. Why don't we have walled cities anymore? Because we have planes. Planes fly over walls. We have missiles. Missiles shoot over walls. Walls don't do you a whole lot of good anymore. So we don't have them. But we still have... If you have the idea that this thing is a stronghold, it's a stronghold. But if the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, if our weapons always pull down the strongholds, they're not strongholds. If you have a stronghold in your life as a Christian, it's because you've allowed it to be there. Only way you can have it. Use the weapons of God. So for the pulling down of strongholds, look at this, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Arguments. What's an argument? How many times you had an argument in your head? Why you should worry over that thing? Why this disease is going to kill you? Why this situation is greater than any situation you've ever faced? Why you'll never get past this. Haven't you had those arguments in your head? Constantly they come up. Casting down arguments. Cast them down. Don't sit there and entertain them. Cast them down. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Know what God said. Know what He promised you. And anything that exalts itself against that, cast it down. Get it out. 
bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Every thought. Everything that you think on ought to be brought into captivity. That's why you ought to listen to the, or watch over the music that you listen to. Because they're putting some thoughts in your head that come against the things of God. Don't do it. Guard your thoughts. Guard your words. The Scripture says, guard those thoughts. Make sure that the things you're thinking on are right with the Word of God. Guard your thoughts. Guard your words. The things that you say out of your mouth, you be real careful about them. James talks a lot about the things that come out of our mouth. Guard your words. You guard your thoughts, you have a good handle on guarding your words. When you guard your words, you have a good handle on guarding your actions. Because generally we say something before we ever do it. How many times have you said, I think I'm going to get a new car before the new car came? How many times have you said, I think I'm going to get a new job before the new job came? Don't we say it with our mouth first? And generally before we say it with our mouth, what did we do before that? I thought it. I'm beginning to think, I think I need a new job. Then I begin to say, I'm going to get a new job. And then I go out and get a new job. Guard your thoughts, guard your words, guard your actions. You make sure your thoughts are based on the Word of God, your words are based on the Word of God, and your actions are based on the Word of God. Do that first. Then pursue the knowledge of God. What does God say for you? What are His promises? What does He say about health and healing? What does He say about finances? I don't care how it worked for Aunt Susie or Uncle George. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if Uncle George died. It doesn't matter if Aunt Susie lost her house. They repossessed her car. It doesn't matter. What matters is what does the Word of God say? It doesn't matter that we lost the battle on AI. It matters what did God say? That's what matters. It doesn't matter that the thoughts coming in our heads are everyone's going to gang up on us now because we lost that AI and they're all going to come over and kill us. It doesn't matter that that's what is being whispered in our ears. What matters is what does God's Word say? What does it say? Stay around people that are going to help you keep your thoughts, your words, and your actions right. Get around faith people. Stay, stay around that. If you're starting to have some, some doubts, get on out there and say, Brother so-and-so, Sister so-and-so, help me out here. I keep getting these things. I need you to you know, check up on me. Make sure I'm doing okay with this. Stay in there with that. In his book, Fuzzy Memories, Jack Handy writes this. There used to be a bully who would demand my lunch money every day. Since I was smaller, I would give it to him. Then I decided to fight back. I started taking karate lessons. But then the karate lesson guy said I had to start paying him $5 a lesson. So I just went back to paying the bully. Too many people find it easier to pay the bully and to stand up and defend yourself. Stop paying the bully. The devil wants to bully. He wants to take things that belong to you. He wants to steal from you. Don't let him do it. Know what is yours. Know what God's Word promised. Don't sit there and think about how hard it is for God to bring that about. What you think on is, what did God say He would do? 
I'm going to believe that. Write it down. On this day, I believe God this way. And every time you want to have doubts about it, go back to it. July 26th, whatever day it is, you write it down. This is the day. What we prayed, this is what we agreed, this is the Scriptures that we used. And every time that that thought wants to come in and just get you to be in fear, be in doubt, not to be strong, not to be very courageous, don't do it. Go back to that. No, no, no. On this day. You need sometimes that point of contact. On this day. On this day. This is when I did it. This is when I did it. This is when I believed. This is what the Word of God taught me. This is what I know from the Word of God. You can stand on it. Would you all stand up with me? Not right now. Not right now. Would you all stand up, please? I want you to think of this thing right now. What situations are you facing at this moment? We asked you before about financial situations that you were facing. Financial situations. Some of you raised your hand. When I asked you again, how many of you had been prayed, already prayed and believed God on that thing, some of your hands didn't come back up on that one. But if your hands did come back up and you say, I know, we put this before God, then you make sure you leave it there. But if you did not, and you are facing a financial situation that is testing you, I won't just sit here and say, well, I'm just going to pray now and just believe. No, I don't want you to do that. What I want you to do is to go home and spend some time in this. I want you to go through the Word of God and you find out, what does the Word of God say about my financial situation? What does it promise me? What does it promise me? Now, I want you to write down three or four Scriptures that promise you something. And I want you to develop a short prayer in regards to that. And you write that part of the prayer down too. And from that point on, you can go back to this. This is your point of contact. Now, we didn't ask about this one. How many of you are facing healing health situations in your body? Disease, sickness, whatever it might be. Pains, whatever it might be. Okay. A couple more. All right. How many of you have already prayed and believed God for it? Either had hands laid on you or you prayed and believed? All right. If you did already, every time that thought comes to you, you need to bring that thought, bring that argument, you need to bring that all back. I had hands laid on me. I prayed and believed. This is what the Word of God said. I spoke to that thing. Whatever it was that you did, you did it and you, you stand on that. That is done. They have no business of being in here with me. No business. If you have not done that yet, and this has been something that has been a long term. It's not something that just came up this morning. This has been something long term. And I want you to put a little bit more time into it. But first off, go through the Word of God. We have some of those little mini books. Jim, make sure you have some of them ready to, to give out to people. Um, God's Medicine. We have plenty of those around, right? Yeah, we got plenty of those around. We'll just give them to you. There's scriptures in the back for healing. I want you to go on through there and just read them over. And there's, there, I mean, there's a bunch of them in there. I want you to just pull three or four of them out to minister to you. Oh, this one, this one spoke life to me. This, oh, I feel the life for this is good. And I want you to write three or four of those down 
And then I want you to, to have your prayer. Father God, this is what I'm asking for. Or else come in next week and say, I'm ready now. Hey, lay hands on me. And that's going to be my point. That's going to be my, my time. But I want you to do some homework on it first. I want you to get some Scripture. I want you to put those Scriptures down on the inside of you. That you know, this is what the Word of God promised me. This is what the Word of God said. This is it. This is your point. I want you to be able to have a point that you can always point to and say, on this day, on this, at this hour, at this time, this is what was done. And I'm standing on that. I will not be in fear. I will not be in doubt. I will not worry. I am called to rule and to reign in life. And every time it wants to wake you up at night and make you think on that thing and you're going to die... You're going to lose this. It's not going to work. You're going back. You say, I will not. I will not become like an Israelite wandering in the wilderness. I will not do it. I will not become like a Joshua at Ai. I will not do it. I won't do it. I will not move into fear and doubt. I will do what the Word of God said over and over, be strong and very courageous. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear. Do not have any fret about anything. Do not have any anxiety about anything. But let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. How many of you here today will commit to this? I will go home and I will do my homework. I will write down my verses of Scripture. I will write down my prayer and I will stand on that from this day forward. This is my turning point in this situation. And every time I hear that whisper in my ear, I'm going back. This is what God's Word said. This is what I believe from it. My God is coming through. My God. It's coming through. Father God, You've seen our hands raised up. We face battles. We face Jerichos. And we face Ais. And we face all the cities in between. Sometimes we get past the big ones and the Jerichos and the little Ais throw us off. Sometimes our thoughts begin to run away and we begin to think of all the others that are going to come up against us because we lost this battle. No, Father, that's not how we are to live. It's not how we are to walk. Lord Jesus, I thank You for the help that You give us. We are called to rule and to reign in this life. We are not called into the wilderness because there were no graves in Egypt. We are not called across the Jordan because we should have been content on the other side of the Jordan. We should have been content in the wilderness. We are called to go after things that you said, this is yours. This is for you. Father, I thank you for the help that you give us. We are not going to be having things taken from us. We are going to do the taking. We're going to be taking new ground spiritually taking new ground in obedience, 
learning the knowledge of God and coming into obedience in those areas. Father, I thank You for the help that You give us. We will have points in our life that we look at. My victory for this was here. The victory for Ai was not when they approached the city. The victory for Ai was when they took care of the sin. And then they went on and the victory was theirs. Joshua even says, when you take over the city, burn it with fire. He knew the battle had already been won. Father, these battles can already be past tense one, even though there's still future tense. As long as we come after them right. Help us, Father, to walk the way that you would have us to walk. To have the victory where you would have us to have the victory. Lord, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as you do this, do you need some help with it? Grab a hold of this brother or sister near you. So I need some help with these, some, some scriptures on this. I need some help with uh, developing a... I'm not sure exactly what to pray on this. Get some help. That's what the other brothers and sisters are around for. Help you out with that. And get a, get a prayer that you can agree on. But I want you to let us know. Emails are fine, but you know, write something down next Sunday. And bring it on in and say, this is my situation. Share whatever you want. You don't have to share the whole thing. Share as much or as little as you want to. But let other people know I'm, I'm changing it and I'm not going to get worried. I, I, I was woken up at night. I didn't get fretful. I didn't get anxious. It woke me up. The thought came in. I said, no, no. Here's my point of victory. This is the point of victory. That's mine. Where's your point of victory?